Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. My name is Cameron Eileen Jarrell, aka Tranos. Say that shit with your whole chest, or I'll, I'll show you why they call me the Shogun of Harlem. Tranos, you bitch, you. Uh, <laughs> this, this is uh, this is Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that took the time to add colorful commentary to your theatrical experience because I do talk during movies. You bitch, what you gonna do about it? Uh, today's episode is musically uh, exp- inspired as usual. There's a meeting of marijuana and music. Today's episode song inspiration is Fear Factory's Archetype. Check that shit out. I was a big fan. I'm still a big fan of Fear Factory. They're still going. They released an album nine months ago. Um, today's strain is Gorilla Cake. All I'm going to say is it's highly potent and dense. Do your research. Go to Leavely. Um, Every time I take a hit of this shit, I end up on the couch for several hours. I was supposed to be doing some research work yesterday and I forgot because I smoked a bowl of this shit early in the morning and didn't come back to the, the real world or the world of the living or adults until about an hour and a half later. Uh, it's really cool for disassociation. It's really cool for when you need to relax or sleep. Uh, gorilla glue, gorilla cake, get that shit in your system, you goofy. Um, today we're going to do something a little bit different. I haven't titled the episode yet. Um, I have... Uh, uh, one of my like best friends on the episode again, a person that you've heard a lot. I'm not going to do a lot of talk. I'm just going to introduce them, ladies and gentlemen. The tender villain. What's good? It's B Jordan, producer extraordinaire. The tender villain, aka Black and Trans Fantasy, aka the half orc pod mother. Uh, it's great to be here. I love this show very much. <laughs> uh, it. I, I love the fact that we have almost the same amount of nicknames. I have been influenced. <laughs> influenced by who, might I, might I ask? <laughs> um, today's episode is just a little takeaway from all the monotony of talking about trans trauma. Today, we kind of want to uh, talk about some things that inspire uh, trans people who are currently alive today and trans children who have been attacked over the last couple of weeks. So we want to really talk about um, what well, today we're going to talk about adopted representation. I'm gonna sort of ask. Uh, I'm gonna ask B. Like, hey, uh, when you think of adopted uh, representation, what comes to mind? Actually, I have something really serendipitous happened this morning. I was browsing on Twitter because I'm really subtle and nuanced about how I choose to self harm, and I caught a James Baldwin quote that I thought was really applicable when I was trying to think of stuff to have to say today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote once. Please get over the notion that there's some place I'll fit when I've made some real peace with myself. The place in which I'll fit will not exist until I make it. That's that's some deep ass shit, really. That's really thought provoking. Yeah, James Baldwin, famous uh, black queer author from the 20s and 30s, when it was even worse. Right. There was even less representation of what we are. 
<laughs> so even I mean, though I guess we can't say for sure if Baldwin was trans at all. No, we. I mean, we we can't. But like, I mean, a lot of his ideas lend to our experience. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you know, the sliding time scale, uh, it's we since we found out about trans people, trans transsexuals were the hot new shit on the scene in the '30s before the Nazis burned the the sexual studies academy down. Um, right. But now we're in. We find ourselves in a similar place still, where this is something you hear a lot is. Uh, trans people and the new gay people right right like like we haven't existed since like what the beginning of time like mm-hmm. we haven't like we were first. had an iteration yeah like we haven't had an iteration of ourselves in every time period in every culture like we're the most diverse community and a, as a result of that what it means to me is like like we have like finding yourself in the world when the world uh isn't ready yet apparently to accept you as your whole self uh it means you got to do a lot of like deep reading of shit yeah it might be a kind of casual hypervigilance like in addition to like having to watch strangers eyes on the street to make sure that they're not clocking you in a dangerous way or you can see them like plotting something maybe it's the same thing as where like i'm on my i'm alone doing my leisure shit and I'm seeing something, I'm seeing myself. Like, right, right. My, 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 third, my, my, my third eye is so open that I like any crumbs, like I can see that and that becomes fuel for my growth. Yeah, like we kind of could become hyper aware of each other. Uh, we become, uh, because there isn't like a lot of concrete representation. I mean, like even in modern times, mm-hmm. there's there's representations of us i'm throwing air quotes for all the people who can't see but those representations are currently a a little bit oversaturated with the negative Mm -hmm. so um a lot of times trans people have to look for non-canon markers of representation because a lot of the explicit trans uh trans representation is like the crying game yeah or it's 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 one perspective of the trans experience it's the uh hyper femme all pink wearing highly passable trans woman mm. or it's the barely noticeable apex male figure trans man it's never mm. like the generally what's walking around it's just like people just trying to be comfortable in their bodies it's, you have to fit into a box even as a marginalized person to be represented and most of the representation is either you're a crying gang deceiver or you're a dead prostitute oh yeah yeah i didn't even because those girls never get names or anything i didn't even i didn't even think about them because they're just like murdered right and like especially me a child of the 80s like coming up there was literally like no positive trans like a representation on television on the radio in music there was nothing uh, in that landscape and so a lot of the time i spent as a child watching like my favorite cartoons or playing video games i i became aware of uh trans like characteristics in characters that nobody else noticed and those characters kind of became my favorite like what like what was one of your favorite like representations like what like non-canon representation of transness well, I do want to open up by saying that, like, my perspective, uh, which, you know, I guess is entertaining, good for the show, is <laughs> going to be different than yours because I'm a non-binary trans person. So right. when I see resonant representation, it's often 
like things or events and not always okay. characters right, or right. you know outside of the box kind of characters like i remember yeah. how important to me it was to learn that i think it's in the manual for metroid 2 and okay. it might be like a translation thing or it's just like a strategy guide or something it's like yeah. some like ephemera related to metroid where the way that it was translated or maybe it's the original Japanese. It says that it says that Samus is trans. Right. Right. But Samus, of course, is like six foot three, two hundred some pounds, like brick shit house woman. Right. Who like in addition to like surprise it was a girl all along, has now become like so femme. Like in the right. the prevalence the prevalence of uh, zero suit Samus, like in Smash. Yeah, yeah. But she's still like enormous and very trans feeling but it's like also she's like so both and that's really important to me is that like she's like this blonde bombshell who could beat anybody's ass and it's like she's like so both right like she's she is she is the entire spectrum in one Mm -hmm. body (laughs) like i I feel that i understand that um i want to say and this is going to be taking it back to I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip forward a little bit. Let's skip to like the early '90s for me. Rocco from the Animaniacs, the youngest Animaniac. Oh, I felt Wacko. I felt like they were. Oh uh, yeah, Wacko. I felt like Wacko was very uh, non-binary. That's actually crazy because I have notes here of characters who I want to talk about, and I have Wacko here because there is an episode where, you know, first of all, uh, there's this very funny thing. They're floating around a couple of months ago about how all yeah. the Animaniacs, all the Warner siblings, dress like lesbians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a an episode, or it might be in the they like are introducing themselves like by their gender. Like Yakko's a boy, and Dot is a girl, and no, it's a comic. Sorry, it's a like yeah. a comic, and Wacko is other. His gender that he tells like whoever they're talking to is other. Right, right, right. I think I do remember that episode, but they always gave very like. I don't want to say middle ground, but they gave very other vibes like because it wasn't middle ground. It was somewhere outside of mm-hmm. the spectrum. Like they never really like addressed themselves as completely male or completely female. Um, their interests were all over the place, mm-hmm. um, which just screams like artistic non-binary person, like very artsy, very like open minded, very like free free wills free spirited mm. it just gave that energy to me so that's one of the characters that stood out to me um another one uh that kind of jumped out at me when i was a kid and i'm gonna s- switch over because i know we're talking about fiction and fandom but i also want to mention that there were people in real life who were just non like canonically like trans to me and i just want to touch on an athlete um in the 80s there was these things called weedy boxes mm-hmm. uh the the, the star champions yeah, the Breakfast of Champions, the star athlete from the Olympics or whatever big sporting event happened that year became like the person on the box. And what we're going to talk about is one of the most famous boxes, because even uh, kids of the 90s kind of knew about this person. Her name was Mary Lou Retton. Oh, Mary Lou Retton. Yeah. Mary Lou Retton gave very like trans vibes to me. Uh, and, and it just is just. Now, I know she uh, she identifies as cis. I know mm. that her pronouns are she, but like something about her when I was a child made me realize that we didn't have to be boxed into one. 
like you gender. like you saw her like flipping around and shit and said i my gender is that right i saw her flipping around i saw that she was strong i saw that she was um that she was flexible that she was durable i saw that her style wasn't necessarily pinpointed down as girl like mm-hmm. if you saw her outside of meets or not when she wasn't on television she was just like a rolled like sleeve t-shirt kind of girl uh jeans like she looked very like uh very sapphic very mm-hmm. mask sapphic and like something about her just kind of screamed like oh that's what i want to be like that oh that that's for us <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i spent a lot of time looking because well yeah like i said there was not a lot of positivity so we had to like search for like these these markers to make sure that we were feeling like we were representing her or that we saw parts of ourselves in someone else mm-hmm. um and where i generally got that as a queer person from the 80s is horror mm. horror movies the horror genre is a place where trans and um, gender expansive people can go to escape and kind of sort of find all, every marker that we need to justify who we are our, our place in society mm-hmm. how we're treated all of those things and i've mentioned it several times in past episodes uh, specifically I, I did talk about it when i was on the screw shout out to the screw a love uh, shout out to, to felicia uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, uh, i make that shit I, too right 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 we we out here we out here in qo for life in qo forever bitch um <laughs> like uh i said this on the screw is that i found my representation and it was in 1993 like the the thing that encompassed like how I saw myself as a trans person in the world and how I would go about living life um, was vampires. Mm -hmm. But not every vampire, like I know I mentioned Anne Rice's iterations, Mm -hmm. Uh, Louis, we have Lestat, rest in peace, rest in peace, Um, Lestat, um, Akasha. I I did, Mm. those were influences. But a lot of people, when they hear like my first vampiric influence, they're like, what? I'm like, oh, the first vampiric influence that felt very trans to me uh no watch this watch how you respond uh the lost boys yeah okay very fucking trans <laughs> very gay very trans super queer right super queer um everybody's ear was pierced on the left were those boys getting lost in each other's eyes they, they definitely wasn't getting lost in the only girl in the group <laughs> <laughs> like they, they didn't give a shit about her i was like this, this is a group of trans men this is a group of trans men. Mm. They all got cool hair. They're wearing leather jackets. There's lots of denim. There's chains and dangly things everywhere. They're, they're hyper masculine. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they're like, um, and it wasn't really hyper. It was eighties hyper. So it was like hair masculine. Yeah. That's how I'm going to tag it. Like uh, Keith or Sutherland at his best is a, uh, a very scary vampire. But the entire thing, I was like, this is the gayest vampire movie mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I fucking love it. I think every every vampire in it is trans because they represent like how I saw myself. They were kind of stealthy, but yet out in the open. They they hinted about themselves a lot. They were very jovial. Um, they, they a lot of laughing uh, and a lot of um, solidarity between them because they knew there was no one else like them. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot I of hear, that at the right, time, right. right? Because like yeah. it was the hotness, especially then, to code all your evil characters as being some kind of queer, but yeah, not necessarily yeah. knowing what kinds of queer there were. 
Right. Just just knowing that uh, that though some of those um, and, and a lot of writers back in the 80s admitted to it in like the early 2000s and the late 90s that they did code those things because they knew that it would cause this visceral response mm-hmm. and uh, uh, surprise, guys, it didn't cause a visceral response with everybody. No, some of us were really proud of those moments. I mean, it got, it got into our viscera. We were just, you know, faggots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, damn, Ursula's the coolest. I missed the point (laughs) that she's a shitty person. (laughs) Well, I don't know. She told, she told that girl everything she was going to do. Yeah, she did tell her, she did tell her. Um, uh, but mind you, it was a little, uh, it was a little delayed, but she told her (laughs) like, um, yeah, Ursula, like fucking that, that was a big representation. Like uh, how many bitches is running on now gay culture. Mm -hmm. We kind of love Disney, even though we shouldn't, um, that's another episode. But they also like, that's a gender thing too, because Ursula is based on uh, the John J- Divine, the John Waters yeah. collaborator, and that was a real like gender icon on yeah, right. the planet Earth. Yeah, like a very real person, and it was a, a, a very like thought provoked, very powerful representation of queerness mm-hmm. and like gender fluidity for me, because like in the in the, in the the pathion of um, Little Mermaid and Disney, like they don't really talk about the fact that like you get to choose as a deity what your body would look like. Mm-hmm. And Ursula chose an octopus. Like everybody else is choosing shark fins, dolphin fins, uh, killer whales. She's like, nah, I'm not doing any of that shit. I don't want fins. Let me get these. Let me get these mm-hmm. uh, tentacles real quick. So even that character was like choosing to modify their body to make themselves feel comfortable regardless of the norm. Yeah, her body and her gender representation were, like, so different right, right. than everyone around her. She was very, uh, she had lots of, uh, air quote, masculine qualities. She was very, uh, um, she had this, like, very, like, um, effective way of controlling mm-hmm. things. She was very, like, hyper-manipulative, um, charming. Like, she was, ev- all right, since we're talking about Disney characters. Now, I'm gonna say it. Scar Scar's trans. Scar's trans. Scar's um, trans as fuck. On my family's <laughs> Disney Plus account that I don't pay for, on my profile picture is the Scar picture. Cause that's the only <laughs> black queer right. like, femme character in the whole thing. Scar is a trans. Scar is a gender is 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 non-binary if if nothing else. Right, extremely envy. Like feminine moves. Uh yeah. Obviously, like super queer coded performance by Jeremy Irons. Right. Just like Whoa. incredible. <laughs> Even though Scar's a bastard and like um, eight, eight Mufasa. Yeah, I said it. Like Scar ate Mufasa. <laughs> um, like like they, 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 they ate him. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up. Like fucked up for him to be a, like an extra gay version of Claudia. Not Claudia. Claudius, excuse me, from Hamlet. Right. And like my thing was, it made me think about like, why is Scar such a bastard? Why is Scar so angry? I thought as a youth, I was like, oh, Scar's upset because nobody accepts him. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk and about Scar like, for a second. What is his name? Right. He's just named after he's just like disfigured. And that's what people call him. <laughs> and they don't really explain when it happened. Like, just like, oh, yeah, Scar. He didn't come out oh, the room with a scar. What do they right, mean? That's, Muf- that's Mufasa over there. You know, king shit. This motherfucker over here with the big ass scar in his face. Yeah, we just call him scar. 
everybody else has like beautiful like Swahili names, and that's just Scar. Right, and they, influ- they, they, they there's an influ- like influx on when they talk about like Scar. They're like Scar, <laughs> like Scar, and they, and when they're talking about Scar's pronouns, it's always like yeah he. There's a lot of emphasis on that, mm. and I think Scar walked around with that for a while and was like, all right, fuck everybody, non-binary villain, <laughs> like like I'm gonna eat somebody. So I I was really into that, and I think it did lend to how I dealt with my transits because I was a very scar-like Disney villain mm-hmm. <laughs> before transitioning. I was very devious and um, very jealous of, of, of feminine freedom and, and not being able to be myself. I was very upset about toxic masculinity and the, and that I had to play a part in mm-hmm. it at certain times. Like, And I, I really, really, really felt very closely to Scar. And people were like, you fucking cheered for Scar during Lanky. I fucking did. What the fuck are you gonna do about it? And you couldn't <laughs> like, stop throwing people? No, no, the parallels are all there. I've literally done the scar spot during wrestling matches. Yeah, like I, I would, um, in like a rumble style situation. Oh, uh, yeah, like I was in the rumble, uh, I want to say like eight years ago, and uh, a guy, um, I tried to like throw him over my shoulder, mm-hmm. he landed on the apron. I kicked out his leg so he was dangling. And I was holding his hands on the top rope so yes. his feet were dangling. And then I leaned over to him and I said, Long live the king. And then I threw his hands off and he fell to the fucking floor. Book everybody her. popped. <laughs> and everybody everybody popped. <laughs> and it was just on the spot. Like I didn't think about it because I was like, I could throw this kid to the floor and that will hurt him and it'll they'll get that one pop. Or we could pop Disney fans right yeah. now. So I just kind of pawed his hands real slow and like kind of leaped forward to him. Long live the king! And then I like pried his fingers apart and threw his hands off, and he just <laughs> fell backwards. And he's like, he fucking did the whole Mufasa mm-hmm. fall thing to the ground. It was fucking great. What a sport! It was fucking great. And like, I got to like live as Scar for a couple seconds, which was just very mm-hmm. euphoric. And um, cause, yeah, because there was a period of time in the beginning when, when I was really leaning towards uh investigating my transness where I and thought I was a non-binary person Mm -hmm. and I thought the easiest way to do that was to blend uh my femininity to a blur where no one could see it but it was always me hiding my femininity and that's when I realized that I was actually a trans woman Mm. so like Scar was a huge influence on me um uh for the for the record Maleficent is a trans woman absolutely (laughs) like period <laughs> she's so in that same vein my like one of my comfort characters is obviously um this is a podcast but uh cameron knows that like on my desk i have uh like my emma frost statue yeah. and yeah. my emma frost painting that my wife done for me and it's cool it's a, cool lo- fuck a lot of people read her as trans like sort of looping back into like um, so just but marking quickly that your uh, like identity nailing down process led mm-hmm. you first to like a kind of non-binary rightness before you realized that was like a hard woman's femininity with just like right. features, just, like interesting features is uh, Emma, Emma, Emma's femininity is so absolute. She's like, you know, she's like the bitch turns into diamonds. She's like the most hard femme you could be. But also, a lot of her characterization 
um, especially since being written by fellow uh, non-binary icon Grant Morrison. Okay. Um, is like she made herself that way. Like everything that she is, she crafted herself really specifically. And she's not afraid to talk about like all the plastic surgery she's gotten to be the way that she is. Like, you know, usually textually, it's like her nose got done, her tits got done. But like, who knows? Who knows what all else? Right. Because right. that's just what. Specificity is a very, uh, uh, a very a good concept, concept to think about when we think about trans women, how specific we are about our identities and how specific we are about the crafting mm-hmm. and molding of them. And like I was saying, like Maleficent stuck out to me as a trans woman because it was very um, trying to live a life where she was free to be herself and very authentic. Mm -hmm. She was tricked by the world. She lost her wings and she crafted herself into this thing that they would Mm -hmm. fear. And I was like, yo, that that that's queen shit. (laughs) Like that's 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 Mm -hmm. drag. That's that's super drag trans woman shit. Yep. I think I think maybe what it is is like we can easily read this into stories about femme people who created right. themselves and are hated for it. Right. Like they Definitely. they made really specific choices about who they want to be and everybody saw who they were and said, "Ew, no." Um what other like comic book characters? Now I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig super deep. I don't even know if you know about this comic book group. Um, I'm gonna say it right now before I even say their name. The whole group is trans people. Okay. Wildcats. Oh, Wildcats. Yeah. Is that all of them? Image. Yep. And all every every last person on that team is non-binary or trans of some kind. Uh, that that I mean that that's the statement. Argue with your mama. <laughs> like, like, that's the statement. Um, I remember watching Saturday Night Cartoons that Wildcats also came on in the morning before school. I remember watching that and just feeling like so connected to like every last character's like gender expression. The tight clothes, the makeup for no reason, the attention to, to detail, the fact that they no one shied away from relationships, but no one was really talking about who they were attracted to. They didn't specify, like, if it was like, I'm strictly men, which people had to do in cartoons mm. back then. It had to be like, oh, he man, the manliest man. And then for no reason, they would throw a kiss in there. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, you never saw any of that shit during Wildcats. It was strictly about the fighting and looking cool as fuck. That's non binary <laughs> trans shit. I do want to <laughs> shout out the, the legendary ally, uh, Rob Liefeld, who despite all his best efforts, cannot create a straight character to save his fucking life. <laughs> I'll have to get into his shit a little bit more <laughs> because that, I mean, like, now that you said that, I have to, like, go back and be like, oh, oh, oh he really can't. Like, like, one of his most famous contributions, of course, is Deadpool, who is, right. you know, now, like, canonically pansexual. Right, right. But, like, for a, a long time, people would argue about, like, I'm like, yo, Deadpool is some kind of queer. And they're like, yo, how dare you say that about Deadpool? Like, what do you mean, how dare I say that? Like, he broke the fourth wall and told us a thousand times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said it a thousand times. Like, his constant, like, seeking out of Wolverine, his constant need to be around, like, fucking uh, of the, his interactions with Colossus. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, yo. Come on. Colossus. What a, <laughs> what a man. <laughs> Him and Colossus is fucking. I have heard a lot of people say that Logan is trans. Logan is a 5'5", very masculine, 
um, overpowered man. Mm-hmm. I know lots of trans men who are exactly that. Yeah, you're like five two, and then you get on a T regimen, and you gain fifty pounds, and, and then you're just like, wow, you're just jacked, and like because the world's like kind of like like begging you not to be who you are, kind of just jade you a little bit. You mm-hmm. kind of get a little Wolverine about it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying that shit's sexy. Keep it up. Yeah, it's just like a thing that happens, and like like the adaptation of it, like characters. Uh, and people who've adapted to like insane circumstances because they weren't able to find anywhere in the universe that could accommodate them so they had to carve it out with their adamantium claws is like extremely it's a trans moment and you know it's one of those things where in logan's case his clone is like they cloned him exactly and it's a woman oh okay like laura uh laura kinney formerly x23 the current wolverine yeah yeah is, you know they made another wolverine and it was a girl that's weird this is so also something he... that probably i think you missed but uh danny phantom on nickelodeon like is extremely a trans boy like he was cloned when he, when he, when he was cloned it, it was a girl but he's also like his thing is he can become like a half ghost okay and, I, I i have heard about that i haven't mm-hmm. i was in a full-grown adult when yep. i was on the air but like i have heard about that and i literally was doing some research earlier and i was like danny phantom danny phantom and you saying that just enlightened me because i was like i'm maybe i need to watch some of these uh, some of the show like just to check it out but like yeah I, that sounds like a trans person to me yeah like his thing like, is like a half a ghost um his best friends are like a black nerd and like a a goth baddie and he has to keep he has to keep everything from his parents and his family he can only talk to his friends about like his other secret life where he is empowered to do things that they don't know he can do and he isn't supposed to be able to do um he's like bullied really terribly by like the jock boy and when they go to the water park he won't take his shirt off there's layers and right. it's just like accidental representation where like uh like Ro- like Rob Liefeld the creator of Danny Phantom and Fairly Odd Parents Butch Hartman keeps making trans characters. <laughs> Timmy from Fairly Odd Parents is also read very frequently as trans. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see that. Just because of the way they're talking about like it's just like a it's like it's like a reading the bones. It's like a random assortment of details where you're like right. if you're like a trained mystic if you know the the ways of gender, you're like, oh, this is all trans shit. Right. Right. And we all kind of become like low-key experts about this kind of shit because we are trans and we have to look so fervently for uh, the things that represent us in culture. Like, um, well, I've been getting into and I know I'm, I'm old. I'm 41 years old. I still watch cartoons. I've been watching My Hero Academia mm-hmm. and lots of those characters read as trans to me. Lots of them. I've never um, really considered this before, but off rip, Bakugo seems very trans to me. <laughs> yep, Bakugo was the first person I was gonna. Um, Midori seems very trans to me. Like, uh, Midori seems like a trans man to me. Mm. Um, Bakugo feels very trans. Um, and I don't want to say this and have people underestimate what I'm saying, but or read it wrong. But a, a harmed trans woman. Mm. I mean, you are allowed to say. You're allowed to say that about anybody. <laughs> <laughs> like they seem like Bakugo's anger seems like they have parents that they want to live up to this thing that don't really get them. Um, they are someone completely different when they're not at home. And just so angry. 
Yeah, they're just walking around with a chip on their shoulder all fucking day. Like literally, and it like just, inches it, from killing people. So angry about yeah, what? It, we don't know. Right. And it reads as Cameron's childhood. Mm. <laughs> That's how it reads to me. It reads, oh, shit. Like, oh, I feel called out by a man who's never met me before. <laughs> <laughs> before we get too deep, um, I'm going to do that thing that I always do during an episode. So if you hear bubbles, maybe a lighter, maybe some coughing, be an adult. Enjoy a little bit of gorilla cake with me. Oh shit. Mine was fake. Not <laughs> <laughs> real though. That was really pretty fucking cool. Um <clears throat> remind me of this movie that came out a, a long time before you were born. It was called Police Academy. Oh yeah, the Michael Winslow moves. Yeah, Michael Winslow like had moves. Like I used to try to make uh, straw sounds for no reason, like like, and it just never, it never came out. Like, well, shout out to shout out to Mr. Winslow. Um, but back on the topic now, now that I'm high as fuck. <laughs> um, oh, well, yeah. What are some other characters? Like some other things, like of uh, the genre. Like, not even a character. Let's talk about like um character types in horror mm-hmm. for me. Werewolves seems so trans to me yes that it literally become part of my lifestyle like i literally describe myself uh, sometimes to people when they ask me what am i i'll say oh i'm what they would call a werewoman it's very like first puberty with no blockers energy right, right. this it's stuff is happening like- to you your body is changing it's like this is why all trans people love body horror yeah your body's changing and you can't control it and it hurts, and it sucks, and it, it's ruining your life. But here it is; it's gonna happen. And I always have this like this serious uh, appreciation. Like people are like, "Oh, what a cursed way to be!" And oh, you got bit by a werewolf; you're gonna be cursed forever. And I'm like, "No, man, that's cool as shit." Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to be that? Why wouldn't you want to be uh, the the link between animal and nature? Like, why wouldn't you want to be that? And that's how I feel. As a trans woman, I, I, I um, sometimes describe myself as very primal, very like um, nature centered. Um, I, I like the feeling of dirt in, under my nails. I'm not afraid to get ugly. Um, I, I am not what you would call like the vampiric trans girl. I'm the werewolf. Mm-hmm. And I've always uh, attributed transness to lupine, lycanthrope, werewolves. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've always seen it as a very powerful thing to be. And a lot of the time, like, I had to see that in werewolf movies because there was no other place to see it. They're really not describing that. But I just heard about a movie in my research. Um, it's called Bit. And I think, it, I, I, I'm not sure if it's vampires or werewolves yet, but I've seen a couple of clips from it. And it gives off werewolf. It gives off, like, heavy trans werewolf. Not to mention the fact that this actual movie is not hinting at trans people being um, um, magical or being otherworldly, they literally cast a trans person. Congratulations! Congratulations! Congratulations for clearing the bar. I right? Know, I know we left it on the floor, but good job. <laughs> right. Congratulations for like putting it out there that uh, there's no subtext of if this lead character is just trans is trans or not. They are trans. Looks like it's a vampire movie, but the music is by Wolfman of Mars. Well, there it is. <laughs> Ever diversity, baby. 
like uh, yeah like if anything that was transformative when i was a kid was just like i was attracted to it and i could never understand mm -hmm. why until i was an adult it was because like that was my destiny transformation was my destiny like mm -hmm. and even in the midst of us talking right now i'm currently transforming like it's and most most cis people don't understand that they think they like and i want to say what they think i'm going to say it this way we are the only creatures charged with creating ourselves mm -hmm. with purposefully mindfully creating ourselves everybody else is just kind of stumbling into it i mean i kind of want to push back on that a little just because um like i'm like a hardcore existentialist um mm. when i was a child i watched too much joss whedon shit yeah. uh before we knew and then i like start i got like really into like reading the actual books like this like sartre and stuff when i was like in middle school and i think everybody is like sort of like blessed with this curse of like self-creation but um being in any situation where you have to push back against what we're given right it's like we're prescribed all sorts of shit that uh, almost never actually describes or matches the life that we need to live. Right. But if you are so unfortunate as to be cis, then you just won't think about it. You just won't figure right. out what your gender actually is. And that's like something that you miss out on, even though we, you know, we talk about this sometimes when we're like making equivalencies, like Joe Rogan is on T because he needs like gender uh, affirmation in his life. Right. Right. But we are lucky enough uh, as trans people to be like, this is all shitty. None of this shit works. Right. So we like start a little bit like a foot out of the matrix already. Right. Like we're, we're like, I think like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. Um, I think that it becomes so purposeful to us, the, the, the ways in which we, we transform or, or, uh, alchemy ourselves, body mm -hmm. uh, or perform out body alchemy, mind alchemy on ourselves is because we become hyper aware of who we want to be because everyone is telling us we shouldn't be that. Yeah, yeah. We we have we study the transmogrification, and we have to know what it's going to be for us, and we have to be very deliberate about it because some people feel pressure to fall within the confines of what other people view our transformation mm -hmm. should end as um or if we should have one at all and i just uh I, when i was a child like i always thought of magical transformative beings as trans and non-binary people like it, regardless of what they talked about or how or how they identified themselves i wasn't misgendering them i wasn't throwing yeah. out their thing but it was just a way for me to relate to them um another stupid one and people are gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about cameron every power ranger is trans every single power Ranger. all of them i love that all of common writers with that power rangers mighty Morphin, through the fucking catalog all trans people why because when the world's troubles crash down upon them they have to transform into beings that are more suited to dealing with shit that don't sound like a trans person to you. I love that. <laughs> I do want to throw out also, uh, if anybody has like a brain itch about that, uh, in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, it's the Super Sentai, the Zhu Ranger or whatever. All right. The Yellow Ranger is a boy in Super Sentai. They, may, right. they needed two girls for the American one. 
So they made the Yellow Ranger, um, an Asian woman, uh, rest in peace, I, who's the actress's name, I can't remember, but she died oh, in a car crash. Yeah, it was very um, tragic. Fucked up that they picked her to be yellow. But uh, right? when she transforms, she like literally changes her body. Right, her body changes. Like she goes from being a small in stature, uh, like martial artist, to like this very hard, like very like upper body, like centric, like uh, like like fighter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? what? <laughs> like what happened? Oh, oh, the transformation happened. That's what happened. And you don't necessarily pay as much attention to her curves because her costume, even though she is a girl, her costume is not a girl's costume. She doesn't like have the skirt. You, yeah, when you look at the Pink Rangers transformation, there's a skirt. There's smaller statue. There's a bigger helmet. There's more of a neck covering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, in the show, um, the Yellow Ranger's name was Trini. Trini's mm-hmm. transformation was that of any other ranger that wasn't the Pink Ranger. Like broad shoulders, um, really definite diamond in the middle yeah. of the uniform, uh, defined legs, um, uh, a Bigger boots, bigger size boots, smaller helmet, smaller neck guard. Yeah, that's like just straight up a man's body. And no, if that if, if that trans your gender, good job. Right, right, motherfuckers. I'm gonna say it again. All Power Rangers are trans. Well, except for any Power Ranger that was played by motherfucking Jason. Jason David Frank. Jason David Frank. Fuck you. Yeah, I said it. I want to fight the Green Ranger. Oh my in god! The street. Be, I love that. Make it happen in the street. No uh, flutes. Jason David, Jason David Frank already got a fight set up with um, fucking Tucker Carlson when he fucking answers um, my call out. But um, immediately after I'm done whooping his ass, you can come on down. Like you're a piece of shit. You pushed a fucking horrible narrative. You bullied the Blue Ranger for fucking seasons. They put they rushed it under the table to give you the squeaky clean look. And you've always been a fucking piece of shit. I'm waiting for you to slip up and say something about trans women. And then you got to square up, Tommy. And you could be whatever fucking Ranger you want that day. Shout out to David Yost, probably the first person who I saw like regularly who was gay. I don't right. know if I, I didn't know that. I don't know if he knew all that at the time. He was Cody. That gay. was a big deal. For me, I felt like he was Cody gay. I, I actually have a Blue Ranger belt, like a little seat belt belt. Oh, nice. Because I just fuck with the Blue, Blue Ranger shit. He, I felt like the Blue Ranger was coded queer. I feel like he was coded queer. Um, I felt like it was played um, uh, uh, very well by a queer person, uh, very intelligent, mm-hmm. uh, withdrawn as compared to the hyper-masculine straight Power Rangers. Because yeah, they, I mean, um, they were all into like the sports and like combat sports, and Zach had his heavy breakdancing stuff yeah but, his hip-hop coonery but, but, but being a little dweeb <laughs> being a little dweebenheimer billy who was also like as powerful and good at karate as everybody else just had other stuff going on he had like I, gentle pursuits I, right i felt like that took time though the whole martial arts thing took time because billy didn't become a skilled fighter on the show until like the third season but Billy's backup and like support skills. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker is a teenager who figured out alien technology, mm-hmm. who figured out how to harness more for energy from the from the morphing grid. A teenager did that. Every time Zordon pro- like produced a new Zord or a new weapon, he, he was always like, "Me and Billy did this." Mm-hmm. Alpha watched 
<laughs> right? Like, yeah, Billy, um, uh, uh, Billy, uh, David Yost, you created the Apple Watch. <laughs> you created uh, smart smartphones. You created pagers. <laughs> like, so like, like this fucking teenager. He was a fucking teenager when the Power Rangers became Rangers. They were all around the age of. Mm. And now listen to this. Now, the the casting was some bullshit. Always. 15 to 16 years old. Teenagers with attitude. They were Ninja Turtles without shells. <laughs> like they were like they were Ninja Turtles without shells, but with crystals. Yeah. Coins. Right. And um yeah, I just I believe that the Blue Ranger was always kind of coded. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird coding because Billy wasn't a villain. So it was hard to like yeah. get him to like scar level coding, but he was coding Yeah, that. he was just like a little he was like a little soft boy. But actually, you know, speaking of going back to categories and like having the like the monster trans right, rep right. category is right, also right. there's like this like young Dweebenheimer category of transness where like trans people I think relate to characters who have like uh, strained relationships with their bodies for reasons other than like just like dysphoria. Right. The example I was thinking of to bring back the X Men is relatedly, you know, Kitty Pride is like a child yep. prodigy and she can like do anything uh, with regard to like computers and stuff, but her relationship with her body is all fucked up. Like in addition to being um, Jewish like a white passing Jewish woman uh, and a like human passing mutant. All right. Um, her deal with her body is like, sometimes it doesn't work. Like sometimes it doesn't do the thing she needs it to do uh, for a long time. Kitty, Kitty pride's uh, superpower is phasing. So she can pass through barriers. Right. And for a long time in her publication history, that was her body's default state. And she was always like giving like as much of her focus as she could to like staying corporeal, so she didn't like fall through the floor and right. the earth. And that's like extremely trans to like always be navigating your body and like as you grow into it, learning more and more about how to use it. You know, right. because for a long time she was like this little nerd character who couldn't fight; she could only avoid fights by like manipulating her body. And then later on, she becomes like, she's like brainwashed to being a ninja. And then she becomes like an incredible fighter who is like mastered her powers and herself. And that's like very aspirational, even though there's like nothing about her that's particularly trans in the character. Except for the thing where, you know, she has these marginalized identities that she won't let people, she, she refuses to pass on purpose. And that's like hugely powerful as like an adult trans person. Right, it's like, right. I have this stuff going on. If you want to think of me as normal, like you, fuck you. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which seems to be my mode um, of more X Men characters. And this is another whole fucking squad, if not like sub genre of mutant. All the Morlocks are yes. trans people. Yes, yes. All of them. They're like, they're like a trans category of mutant because they're just too ugly. No, they're not passable mutants. <laughs> they're, they're not passable mutants. And for me, like, I, I didn't see anything ugly with that. I thought a lot of them were, like, like beautiful because my my subset, like, my, my jump off when I was a child was, 
why would I want to look normal? Yeah, mm. I want all black eyes. Yeah, I want fucking green yeah. skin. What do you mean I can control an element? Oh, I'm immune to poisons? That's fucking mm. great. Oh, the setback is my skin is blue? Who gives a shit? Yeah, they just don't look pretty. And because of that, they're, like, excluded. Like, they live underneath New York. Right. Like, Cerebro could tell that they were there, but Charles Xavier just, like, no-sold them until until he couldn't anymore. No-sold the shit out of them. (laughs) Like, like, no-sold the shit out of them until Storm became the queen of the Morlocks. Yeah, they, like, went to collect him, and they were like, fuck you for doing all this stuff. And then, yeah, Storm met her her knife girlfriend, Callista, and then, like, kind of masked up. Right, 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 right. Very much that. Like, oh, I'm the queen of this shit. You run my shit until I come back. But when Mm -hmm. I I come back, hold hold me down until I come back is pretty much what Storm said. Um, And then she lost her powers and still beat Cyclops barehanded anyway because she just like was embracing the whole the whole thing right 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 scott's my like favorite like tied with emma because i'm fucked up but storm got hers that day and i love that (laughs) (laughs) i i like i think that like it's it's just natural for um queer children specifically gender expansive children to find themselves in fiction Mm mm-hmm to find themselves in in fantasy and magic because i mean at the end of the day i've said it before and i'm gonna say it again like gender expansive people trans non-binary we're uh, like all of us are magical like we're mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a crazy thing for people to search for magic their entire lives and then like find out that we exist and not see it as so mm-hmm. um everything about us is kind of like approached with a curious like whimsy and an excitement and then that excitement is only sullied by outside sources and their version of what we should be um then that's why there's so many negative representations of what we are so because to combat that representation we find ourselves in characters that no one else sees as that yeah and i've always found that to be quite powerful even though like i really didn't have a name for it until we talked about the topic of this show like i realized like a lot of characters that i watched when i was a kid and i'm just gonna rapid fire a bunch of them and you just let me know what you think um buffy the vampire slayer yep um like like samus just the strongest bitch on the earth just like the strongest bitch they don't really explain her powers they're just like yo this is, that's that bitch right there so she's that bitch. once in a generation sometimes there's a girl who is strong as hell and it's nobody's business 80 shira modern shira mm-hmm. both it's, of them modern shira is so very... intentionally because the what's oh my god what's their name now i don't remember uh, what their name is now but the crater is non-binary it's it's it, the the body type, the way they draw her, mm. um, every, everything about her screams like I'm a, a, a I'm a, a trans person, I'm a non-binary person. Yeah, um, her, the Shira power suit has like a binder, yeah, instead of yeah. like the titties out like they like they used to. <laughs> like, yeah, they, it was like a a tennis skirt and like just a, a huge gap mm. where like that went all the way down to her belly button. It was crazy. <laughs> like so, she's fighting dudes with swords and like fucking weapons and like her fucking titties is out. I mean, that's, that's, let go of that. that's an incredible example though, because that's like, that's just in the text. That's just what happened is a trans person saw she and was like, 
I'm like that, and then brought it back and just made it more, like right. made it, made the out, yeah, outside match the inside a little bit more. Yeah, it was it was cool to watch that as a person who watched Shira in the '80s and the current modern take on it, and both times was like transparent. Mm. Like both times. Um, yeah. Who else? Um, of course, uh, Wonder Woman. Of course, the mascara is just a island of us. And people are like, don't erase cis women. I'm not erasing cis women. It just doesn't matter to them. It, it just doesn't matter. Like, you don't know from one to the next who is trans, but you know everyone is trans. Diana comes <laughs> to visit the world of men and sees the our little signs that say trans women are women. And she's like, why do you even, what do you mean? Right. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It says right there, mean, women are women. Right, you mean women, right? So women. Um... All right, a little weird. About to get there. I'm get there, Jason Voorhees. That's so interesting. Because Jason of his like fucked up relationship with his mom. Jason Voorhees doesn't have a gender. Jason Voorhees is not aware of a gender that they like serve. Mm. I mean, I've, have you ever heard anybody gender Jason Voorhees? I mean, like, obviously everyone uses the he and pronouns, but that's a really good point that he's just like right, a, but in the movie, he's just like a force of nature. Right, in the movie. Mm -hmm. They never like, oh, he's chasing me. There's never any of that. Jason Voorhees doesn't have, and you said it, like, you you not, you hit the, hell, the nail on the head. Jason Voorhees doesn't have a gender. Jason Voorhees is a force of nature. It's like Swamp Thing style. Right. Swamp Thing was a man, not anymore. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like you're you're part of nature. You're part of the curse. You're part of the darkness. You're part mm -hmm. of the shadow. There's no gender in that. This is a lake whooping your ass for fucking yeah, too much. It's just, it's just a, a spirit, a spirit of the lake, able to harness the power from other spirits in the lake to fuck you up. Except you in old, some shit. One in five. Well, was, was that Jason takes Manhattan? No, in one, it's Pamela is the killer, and in five. Yeah. It's just like some dude. Yeah, something happened between one and three where Jace, Jason went from being a little boy to... Like a fucking zombie creature. Terror. And then they killed him for real and they brought it back with the, the blue mask guy. Right. But yeah, he's just like... Jason Voorhees is like, a, is like a force. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like not at least... Like Jason Voorhees is the loosest interpretation of a person. And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. I fuck with that. I hit my weed hard, and then I said that shit. Jason Voorhees is, is queer representation. And not for nothing, but, like, his being so asexual plays into that a little bit. Because, like, so much of the gender roles that we have are built on, like, prescribed sexuality. And, like, yeah. Jason is anti-fuck. <laughs> Jason is the most popular sex repulse character in literature of all time. Right, literally, uh, uh, heterosexual sex caused him to die. Camp counselors weren't watching him because they were too busy fucking. I wonder if there's anything in the series. Uh, everybody, listeners, fans, keep an eye out. Uh, me and Felicia Rose are starting a horror podcast where maybe I'm going to learn the answer to this question. Did Jason ever see some gay people fucking and then not kill them? TBD. That's a fucking... That's a great question and also a good plug. Make sure you watch out for that. I can't wait to hear this series because, um, one, I'm a huge fan of B because they're my people. So um, 
check my people out or I'll punch you in your shit. Um, and two, like, yeah, did Jason ever like stumble upon like some 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 dudes cruising or like lesbian shit and just be like, all right, we good? Y'all good? I'm very <laughs> interested to know that because that would be uh, uh, just be fun to that'd be good trivia. It'd be fun to read. And yeah, uh, before we before we go, I'm just gonna say this. Um, you can't use Jason X because that wasn't a, a sapphic experience. That was a that, that was holograms. By, yep. Yeah, that was holograms built by a computer with an algorithm that was supposed to entice Jason. Everybody thought that Jason was enticed by sexuality. He was repulsed. Exactly. By Those holograms <laughs> weren't lesbians. They were right. straight holograms performing for the male gaze. They were numbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, can I squeeze my final thought out here about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and um, get it in. Here. Speaking of characters, uh, I'm say I saved this for the end, sort of because. Uh, it's just us now, right? Yeah. Cis people, earmuffs. My favorite and most influential trans archetype is people who fucking lie. Like, non-binary characters who are just full-on fucking liars. Like, uh, like Bugs Bunny is my number one, like, gender right. idol. Bugs Bunny is, like, completely gender fluid. Like, we all know the thing about, like, Bugs Bunny's favorite thing to do is dress up. And like be right. super femme, but it's just always in service of like getting one over on people. Like Bugs Bunny's expression of himself is just like, I'm fucking with you. I'm right. minding my business, and now I'm not minding my business anymore. What's your business like? I I identify <laughs> as hijinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm just fucking around. Like a lot of people, um, a lot of trans mask people who I follow on Twitter and who are lovely and I like a lot. Like their thing is they're just a little guy. But I'm just like a bit. I'm just like an extended bit. Um, so bugs, bugs is this. Um, it's a little bit in Wacko circling back. Yes. Um, Popeye has this. There's like some yes. old comic strips of him explaining that he's not a man or a woman. He's amphibious. But like the thing about like being who being so into being who you are that it like damages the fabric of reality is like the dream. Um, also Loki, like comic Loki and just like historical mythological Loki, right, uh, right. gender fluid flips back and forth freely. And all no Loki cares about is lying to people. Right. No explanation. And it also speaks to the fact that like you have to kind of become great at lying to keep who you are a secret for those who have to be stealth mm -hmm. uh so yeah like there was a period of time where i totally embodied loki because i lied to everyone about who i was what my name was how i identified sexually mm -hmm. um i literally had to like uh, harness a little bit of that like loki bugs bunny energy mm -hmm. and i just identified as mishap yeah exactly because <laughs> like, it's like part, it's, it's a lot of stuff it's like being being able it's like a very mature sort of stealthiness weirdly yeah but like no being able to flip and being like i am passing now because or i'm not passing now because it's my right. preference or like i am in i am in charge of the situation like i am a trans person who am i'm so self self-possessed that like I can make other people do what I want them to do because right. I am in charge. And like, I, I, because I have chosen to master myself because I put in the work and became my fullest, truest self. Uh, I am just in charge of situations. 
I also would add, like, I see it as uh, becoming a master, the master of an illusion. Mm. On the way to mastering myself, I picked up a set of skills that made it, gave me the ability to harness illusion. And that's just Neo, right? Like, right. That's a power. Neo is a, <laughs> obviously not everybody knows the Matrix is a trans allegory. So, right. like, Tom Anderson is a poor egg who hates his life and wants to die. Right, and right. then accidentally like stumbles into a situation where come to find out like Neo's powers in this space that he used to inhabit against his will are now like unlimited. Like infinite. Because he just decided to be what he was about. And actually I want to circle back around and drop a feet for I mentioned Emma Frost earlier. Right, right, a right. Pretty recent issue. Um famously Emma Frost dresses like a full whore. She's just like super slutty, but in a way that like you can look but you can't touch because if you touch, you'll die, right, right. which is a huge flex. But in a recent issue, um, like she and one other X-Man are like taking heavy fire from racists. Yeah. yeah. And she's wearing a blazer with nothing underneath because, you know, that's just how she's out there like that. And her move is she unbuttons the blazer. She doesn't take it off, but she just like, you know, like uh, most Google image searched of all time. Uh, J-Lo dress. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, there's nothing between like her waist and the top of her head. And she like steps out from behind the corner they're hiding behind for cover. All these men see her, uh, I guess this is an underrated, hot, this is a hot take for cleavage, underrated inner boob. Right, right, right. But they all see the inner boob and she like, with like a flick of her neurons, not like incapacitates all these men instantly because she was in charge. She knew for a fact that they were all thinking the same thing and it was exactly what she wanted them to think. So she just took over their minds easily because she, she knows what she's about. She made herself this way. So when she's in an adverse situation, she just, she's still in charge. Right. Right. That's, that's a flex. That's a flex. And that's, and, and, I am um, really glad that you came on today. I, I always have fun when you're on here. And um, yeah, I'm going to have you on hundreds more times. Mm-hmm. So if anybody out there has a fucking problem with it, see me in the streets. See, see, here's the thing. If you have a problem with it, if you have me being on Tyrannos, that's two people. Right. Right, <laughs> right, that's right. two trans icons you have to fight in the street. In the street. like, And we're going to jump you because ain't no honor amongst us motherfucker <laughs> um but uh yeah i think we should come we'll come back to this and have uh, more conversations like this and i also like can't wait for um your new series to come out like Thank if you, you. want to give a plug to it like um do you have, do you have a name for it right now it doesn't have a name yet um uh we just started planning it uh really heavy this week we had a brainstorm sesh last night that was really good um we're hopefully it's going to be like sort of a book club situation uh the nice. premise is that i didn't know that I was a fan of horror until like just this past summer, I went to a comic book shop after reading Immortal Hulk, which is a scary book and extremely gay. Um, extremely. Shout out to Al Ewing, Bicon. Um, and I told the comic book guy what I liked. I liked Immortal Hulk. Um, I like Grant Morrison's, again, non-binary icon, their Animal Man. And yeah books like that and the comic book guy was like oh you like horror and i didn't know that because i have always thought i hated horror but if you're like me and didn't know that maybe horror was for you um what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to like do 
a heavy analysis to like guide people to become more literate in the genre, which apparently is for me. We'll find out. I can't wait for the series to start. Keep us uh, abreast of what's going on. Um, before I go, would you like to say anything to the people? Uh, you, you, you mean to tell me that you had this whole pandemic to get trans and you're still walking around in the gender your mom gave you? Like, fucking sucker. Grow <laughs> up, audience. <laughs> Grow the fuck up. And with that, my name is Cam Ryan Eileen Jarrell, a.k.a. Trano. Say that shit with your whole chest or I'll kitty pride you in between two walls. Bye now. F- figure out what the fuck that means. <laughs> and this has been Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that will definitely spill popcorn all over the back of your seat when walking past you, fuck away. Peace.